0: Welcome back to Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. We were just kind of going back and forth and and rejoicing in the book of Acts. And when I heard the music, I was saying, you know, the parallels between our Lord's ministry and the Apostles' ministry. You just see this all the time in the book of Acts. And while I adjust my microphone, you know, the manager is always harping on me for adjusting my mic as if I don't talk loud enough. It's just I find that hard to believe. Some
1: some people Speak
2: soft carry big stick. Oh, the, the, some
1: some people cannot take instruction, <laughs>
0: and uh, <laughs>
1: if the shoe fits,
0: <laughs> wear it. Yeah, that's yes. Right. Well, I'm wearing it right now, big time. Yes. But the shoe is very tight. It's going to take a while to get used to this shoe. And any of it, it's in Acts 17. Interesting, you know, Paul and Silas there in Thessalonica, and of course, then there's this there's a rabble that goes after them. And then they have, to, they have to run away. You know, they have to flee. But it's interesting, the rabble, what do they say? Um, these men have turned the world upside down and have come here. And Jason, that's all we know about him. He no doubt hosted the apostles. The Greek name. Yeah, Jason had received them, and they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying there's another king, Jesus. And the people and
2: the city authorities were disturbed when they heard. This is just like Jesus' ministry. We have no king but Caesar. Well, I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise because I think uh, in the beginning of the book of Acts, that's what Luke writes. He says, you know, in the first book, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do. And now in this book, I'm going to talk about the things he continued to do. And that's, I think, the great thing. And that makes it Lutheran and its very foundation is that the church exists by the work of Jesus Christ through word and sacrament, and that's what Luke is teaching us in the entire book of Acts. And it's the Lord who's doing it. Exactly.
0: Yeah, the Lord didn't, uh, when he ascended, he didn't take a rocket ship up in, somewhere in the Milky Way galaxy where he sits up there and just watches us from up there. But no, he's, lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age, he said in Matthew 28. So the ascension means, as Paul says, that he fills all things for the sake of his church. He's the ascended reigning Lord for the sake of his church. And so back to what we were talking about earlier with Exodus 20. Uh, the First Kings 8 reference, the Matthew 18, where two or three are gathered in my name. See, he's still there. That's Luke's point. He's still there, physically, according to both his humanity and... Divi- oh, all right. Here's another thing, just for fun. Did you notice, uh, I'm, I'm doing the parallels between Acts and the apostolic ministry and Jesus', Jesus ministry. Uh, they're acting, the, the accusation is they're acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying there's another king, Jesus. Now, this runs through the entire New Testament. This this charge, and it will continue. This charge continues until the last day, namely these Christians. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? I do. We, living, we have to be very careful, and I'm serious about this. I'm 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 as serious as a heart attack here when I say these words. Okay, and I, i'm I'm speaking to, I'm speaking to you not as a doctor because <laughs> I'm not. I'm a pastor, and so what I'm about ready to say is as a pastor, and it's for high pastoral care. We need to be very careful so that we do not commit idolatry in the state. In other words, we, we should never make the state our God and Savior. Now, when the state thinks that uh, she's a divinity, this is where the, the accusations come. You Christians have a king. You think you have a king? No. The, I'll just use our language of today. The governor is our king. And if you go against what's the, what the governor says, then you are, you're committing civil idolatry and we're coming after you. I hope, I hope this is making sense. We have to be very, so that what I'm trying to say, not very well, not very cogently, but just hang with me. So this, this, this constant attack against Christians goes throughout the entire New Testament, climaxes in the book of Revelation, where Caesar claims to be God and Lord, and you must worship him and his government, and all his representatives and ambassadors, okay? And the book of Revelation teaches it very simply, Caesar's not Lord, Jesus is. Worship him only because he's won the victory. He's, he's the Lord. But be be careful, folks. When you say that Jesus is Lord, then these attacks, like we read about in Acts 17, the, you, you people are turning the world upside down. You're going to cause anarchy in the world because you think that there's another king named Jesus. No, we have a we have Caesar or we have our governor or we have our whatever.
1: You you uh you want people to die. Yes. Because you think you should gather together in the midst of a pandemic and praise this god of yours. Yes. And so you don't love people, you hate people. You want people to die. This is how this is being manifested in in some parts of our country right now. Absolutely. Where the biggest threat to humanity is not COVID-19. It is Christians who want to gather together and worship.
0: You got that right. And so not too long ago, I preached a sermon from Acts 2, you know, and Acts 242, you know. They About vo- devotion.
1: I read that sermon.
0: And I, I just politely warned my congregation, you know, while we still have the freedom, I hinted, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we have to be, again, the point is we have to be very, very careful as Christians and the church that uh, we worship Jesus as Lord and no one else. No one else. So, you know, uh, I'll make another tangential remark on this, and then we'll hopefully get back to Matthew 24. But this is part of the nature of table talk. We can just take this any way we want, and I'm going to. I'm going to take full advantage of it. And that, uh, you know, we all grew up, didn't we? We've all grown up being taught authoritatively and categorically that there is a wall that separates the church and the state. This wall divides the church and the state. And so, namely, the church cannot... Cross over the wall and tell the state what to do, and vice versa. With this pandemic, the wall has been taken down. I find this quite ironic, sadly ironic. So, this, to me, again, I said in a previous episode know your church history, folks, because things repeat. So, what am I talking about? After Luther dies, Charles V, the Holy Roman Emperor, defeats the Schmalkald League, defeats them in a battle, and he takes the elector prisoner. He takes Philip of Hesse, another Reformational prince, captive, puts them in jail, and then he puts into law an edict. It's imperial <coughs> law, and it says and I'm paraphrase, "You Lutherans, we're going to tell you how you're going to worship. You do certain things, or we're going to shut you down." So in other words, the state, Charles V, the Holy Roman Emperor, the state was now telling the church what she could do and what she could not do. And if she did not obey the state's laws, we will shut you down. Parallel today
1: as wasn't, well. Wasn't that also the uh, the issue with the Prussian Union yep. and what led to the Saxon immigration where the state told Lutherans how they w- must worship correct. and what liturgy books they must use That's correct. and what they could and could not do in the the worship service and Lutherans rebelled and emigrated to America where they were
0: supposed to have yep. the freedom to worship. Yep, I'm glad you raised that point, Clint, because that's that's why there is a Lutheran Church Missouri Senate to this day. The Lutheran Church Missouri Senate basically that's why it started. That's why these Saxon Germans essentially emigrated to the United States so that they could be free to worship God according to the scriptures. That now let's let's clinch this point. And,
2: uh, well, I was going to say, there's the really dangerous thing, right? Uh, should we lose the freedom here, where else is there left to go? Well, this You know, that, that's a little terrifying, you know yeah. what I mean?
0: Well, cutting and running is not always the answer. No,
2: I, I agree. Sometimes you just
0: have to stay and suffer. Now, that's a whole other topic. That That is. I'd uh,
1: rather—remember f- the old—some uh, of you are young, uh, old enough to remember the old— uh, uh, cigarette commercials that were on TV, Lucky Strike. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd rather fight than switch. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I am not a passive-aggressive kind of guy when it comes to these kind of things, these matters of faith. I'm an aggressive-aggressive kind of guy. So take they, may, take they my life, goods, fame, child, or wife, though these all be gone, the victory has been won. Um, so... Bring it on. Bring two, it on.
0: Two things real quickly, a piggybacking on what we're talking about. So there are, I know of many Roman Catholic friends and acquaintances of mine who, when you say, where are we going to go? There are many Roman Catholics now who are considering to emigrate. Where do you think they want to go? Poland.
2: That's exactly right. Poland. Poland offers you a free van if you have enough kids. <laughs> Poland gives you a tax break for every kid. That's enormous. Poland uh, has been uh, fighting against some of these... Uh, uh, anti-Christian rules that are being brought in uh, tangentially. They have uh, great
1: sausage. They do. Uh,
0: yeah, just, that's just a side <laughs> note to
2: a Polish
1: to that. sausage vicar. Okay,
0: yeah. just thought I should explain. The that other later. thing, the second thing is, is you mentioned the Prussian Union. And so you had, you had CFW Walther, who is the first president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. While he was a pastor in Saxony, he was almost defrocked. And you know what the issue was? He refused to use the rationalistic church agenda for a baptism because the rash- rationalism means that reason runs the show, not the word of God. And we all know, reasonably speaking, that the devil really doesn't exist. You know, there's no mm-hmm. such thing as the devil. There's no demonic thing. This is what the rationalists taught. So the rationalist theologians wrote a, a new church agenda that, that needed to be used in Saxony. And Luther, uh, Walther refused to use that agenda for a baptism because the baptismal rite excluded something in the rationalistic agenda. What was it? Do you renounce the devil and all his works and all his ways? And the casting out, the exorcism in the baptismal liturgy. That was, that was eliminated. And Luther, and Walter, I keep, I keep wanting to say Luther, Walther refused to use that agenda. He went back and used the old agendas that had the exorcism in it, and he was almost defrocked. The point being, your point is well taken, the state said, no, you will do it this way. And this gets carried further with the Lord's Supper. The state, at the time of the Prussian Union, the state said, you Lutherans have to worship like a Calvinist. So when it comes to the Lord's Supper, you can't teach categorically that that bread is the body of Christ and that that wine is the blood of Christ, that you actually eat it with and eat and drink it with your mouth and that it's for the forgiveness of your sins. You Lutherans can't do that. We we, we, we categorically say you can't do that. And that's why Lutherans said, goodbye, we're gone.
1: And And people listening to this would say, well, that would never happen today because the state does not care whether people believe that the Bread is the body of Christ or the wine is the blood of Christ. And yet there are some states where the directed health measures are telling people that they can or cannot receive the Lord's Supper in certain ways. Some people are being forced to use the Lord, do the Lord's Supper in one kind for fear that they may spread infection. Congregations are being told they cannot use the common cup, no matter what uh, health uh, studies show with regard to uh, that not being a, a place where disease is transmitted. So the state is starting to do those things right here and right now in the midst of this pandemic.
0: Yeah, just be aware of that, folks. Just simply be aware of it. Well, we didn't get very far in Matthew 24, but to reemphasize that point in Matthew 24, Jesus says that the temple is going to be destroyed. And I said, for a Hebrew, that's the end of the world. And so the apostles say, well, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the close of the age? And now Jesus is going to answer their question, but he's going to connect the destruction of Jerusalem also with the end of the world. And so he's going to talk about both at the same time sometimes. Sometimes he'll be talking about one in and of itself and the other in and of itself. But you can, you have to keep this context in mind when you read Matthew 24.
1: I thought Jesus was the temple and he was talking about his body.
0: <laughs> that's another way. <laughs> that's, anoth- that's true, but that's not here. Okay. Stay Lutheran, my friends.
2: It's an empty house. So hold my hand, i walk you, my dear.